The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. Today, I am super excited to bring back a guest, Scott Stabile, who was on the show, I think sometime earlier last year. And he just came out with a new book that I am just loving, loving, loving so much. And so I had to bring him back on to chat more and also to make sure that we can share more of his wonderfulness with you. So Scott, welcome back. Thank you so much, Victoria. I love your enthusiasm. It just makes me smile. (laughs) Yay. And you make me smile too. The book is amazing. It's called Enough As You Are. And I got my hands on it. It's a really beautiful book because it's almost like little poetic wisdom nuggets. I don't know how you describe it, but that's how I describe (laughs) it. And the way that I've been using your book is just, you know, keeping it by the bedside when I just need a little bit of a love boost and just opening whatever page opens for me and just drinking it in. And it's been really wonderful. And it's also, I'm getting prompted to say, would be very helpful for people that want to use it for meditation. So, you know, pick a passage and then, you know, bring that into your meditation with you. Oh, I love that you're sharing that. And I'm getting a lot of feedback from people. They're using it in exactly the same way you are, you know, on the bedside table, opening to a page, meditating on that passage for however long. And and I love that. I love that it can be a book you can read beginning to end or just open to a page at a time. So talk to me about the book. What prompted you to write it? How did it get created? All that good stuff. I mean, the book's been in process really for a bunch of years because uh, uh, most of the writings in it are short prose or poetic writings that I've shared on different social media channels over the past many years blended with some new writings for the book. And I mean, the focus, as the title suggests, is really a lot about self-acceptance and self-love and really coming to understand that the relationship we have with ourselves is foundationally the way we approach every other relationship in our lives. It is informed by how we show up for ourselves. And when we can really come to understand that, it can be this incredibly liberating and motivating charge to get in better relationship with yourself to understand that I think some people get caught up in this idea of self-love as a selfish pursuit and it is a selfish pursuit but it's the most beautifully selfish pursuit you could possibly take on in your life because love is an energy that always transcends self it is always going to be of service to everyone involved so I know that the depth with which I'm able to love myself and find compassion for myself 
is going to inform how I'm, I am with all the intimate people in my life, strangers on the street, my relationship to the planet, to nature, to everything. So this book essentially is that. It's like looking at ways we can remind ourselves, no matter what, that we are worthy of love and that we are enough, truly, as we are. I love it. You said so many beautiful things in there. The question that's coming to me, I mean, so many beautiful things. And we've, we talk about self-love a lot on the podcast and we talk a lot too about exactly what you said. It's not selfish at all because the relationship that you have with you is actually the most important one you've got. It's the most important one you've got. I mean, who are you going to be with from birth to death? Right? Absolutely. 24 seven, 24 seven, you are the most important person in your world. And you said something else that was so important that I think gets overlooked and that love aligns us. It aligns us. Yes. Like you can't go wrong when you're coming from love. You can't. Absolutely. Yeah. So self-love can't be selfish in a way that harms other people. That's a silly outdated scarcity belief. Self-love is like, you know, filling your bucket. So it overflows and fills everyone else's tail. Absolutely. And for me, the experience, I mean, to be clear, I just experience love as energy and it's energy that's alive within us and outside of us. And every time I'm choosing to align with that energy and think with that energy, use words from that energy, act in alignment with that energy, I always feel most at home in my being, most at home in my body and my physicality, most at home emotionally. So if for if you did it for no other reason, if it isn't even about other people, just pay attention to how you feel personally right. when you are aligned with the energy of love and you're likely to discover that you feel at your best. You know, we are all here, Victoria. We all want to receive and give love. That is the most, I think, innate human desire. And it's never going to leave us. We are never going to be without that desire, I don't believe. And knowing that, and knowing that another desire that for me is as innate is the desire to feel good right. as often as possible. And knowing that, hey, love is the thing that makes us feel the best as often as possible. So why not give some energy to that? And I think some of us are taught that it's not okay to feel good or that you can't feel good until everybody else feels good first. A lot of women are taught that, right? Sure. Or that if you feel Absolutely. good, someone else is going to feel bad. Or how could you feel good when there's so much suffering? There are a whole host <laughs> of we reasons go, right? we're given not to give energy to feeling good. Right. And then when we learn to give the energy to feeling good, we realize it's a gift to us, but it's a gift to the planet. It's a gift to everybody. A hundred percent. It has never been my misery that has pulled someone else out of their misery. <laughs> Truly. It's like we, there's so much pressure. I feel like, especially, I feel like I say, especially now often over the past few years, but it always feels like a new, especially now moment. But in this moment we're living in now, I feel like there's a lot of messaging that is under the umbrella of how could you possibly be celebrating when there's so much suffering? Or how can you find joy when there's so much pain? And I just, I don't believe my joy or anyone's joy contributes to the pain and misery in this world. If anything, it is about recognizing that along with whatever horrors are going on, there is also an abundance of beauty here. And by giving our energy over to being more expansive and allowing for the beauty and the joy, we're actually contributing something extremely positive and necessary to humanity. So when I, if I see someone celebrating, even if I'm feeling like crap, 
I'm like, more power to you. We need this energy out there in the world or we're all going to be just facing the misery and believing that that's all that's here and it's not all that's here. Yeah. What do you think about that phrase, miserably loves company though? That there are some people that when they're in that miserable spot, they really believe that, you know, if you love me and you care about me, you're going to suffer with me. I mean, I believe that phrase because I know it in my own desires at times. Like I know when I'm miserable, sometimes the the friend I appreciate the most is like another friend who's miserable and we get on the phone and we, and the truth is there can be joy in that. Like I'm thinking of a friend recently, we were both struggling and we were talking with one another about our struggles, but also appreciating that we had each other in that moment. And we're also laughing about the fact that we were so miserable and that we were calling each other to commiserate. You know, of course, misery loves company. Everyone loves company in whatever energetic place that they're living in. So joy loves company as well, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And I think sometimes I'm looking at intuitively at your little conversation with your friend. And that was a let's take where we're at right now. And let's let's buoy each other up. It wasn't let's have a pity party and let's just stay at this vibration or lower it. And you you usually know which one you're doing. And by the way, I'm I'm not immune to doing both. Of course. Being human and such. Yeah. But I know that when I'm going down the rabbit's hole of just reinforcing the sort of negative vibe. I don't feel good afterwards. I feel worse afterwards. You know, you feel good for a moment sometimes because, you know, you released a charge. But if you keep going down that rabbit hole and you have a certain amount of presence, you recognize it doesn't feel good. Absolutely. It doesn't feel nice. But also for me, the healing power of everything is when we experience whatever we're going through right now, even if it's that grumpy state where we just want to vent or our suffering or whatever, or, you know, our perceived not enoughness. And we can bathe that with, you know, the light of love when we can be really present with ourselves and loving with those parts of ourselves that are having that little human temper tantrum. For me, that's the source of all healing and growth and marvelousness. 100%. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. What you just said, a version (laughs) of it, which I think is a core component of the writings in Enough As You Are. It's remembering that sometimes we do throw pity parties for ourselves. Sometimes we do mire ourselves in negative thinking. And for me, what creates more suffering around that is if I'm allowing my mind to judge myself for throwing the pity party. If I'm throwing a pity party, If it keeps going on and on, yeah, that doesn't feel good. But what feels worse is if I'm shaming myself for throwing the pity party instead of just recognizing it's human to throw pity parties sometimes. It's human to make choices that we know aren't ultimately the healthiest choices for us. But if we can show up in those moments with a sense of compassion and grace and love and just acknowledge this too, honey, is human. You are no less worthy because you're throwing a pity party. You are no less lovable because you're throwing a pity party. You're just human and it's okay. And that for me has created so much more peace in my life because I know that however I'm choosing to show up, there is a refined voice within me that's like, I love you. It doesn't matter. It's okay. You're worthy. And if you can develop that voice and that relationship with yourself, it wholly changes your relationship to the life you're living. That's at least been my experience. Tell us more about that. I mean, I I believe and experience that 100%, but talk more. How does having that more loving stance to yourself change your relationship to everything else? What does that look like? It looks like knowing that I've got my back. And if I know that I've got my back no matter what, 
the way I approach my life is going to shift. I'm going to be willing to take risks. I'm going to be willing to be judged. I'm going to be willing to fail. I'm going to be willing to face the possibility of rejection because I know that on the other side of it, I'm my own best friend. I know that there is a person on the other side of whatever I face out there in the world that is going to be there to say, I've got you. I love you. You're worthy. You're beautiful. And knowing that makes us a lot more courageous. If I know that I'm going to be showing up with this wildly abusive mind and believe the shaming thoughts, I'm probably going to be less likely to take risks that I might take otherwise. I'm going to be less likely to put myself out there, less likely to share my art, less likely to ask someone out on a date, because I know that if it doesn't go the way I hope it goes, on the other side, I'm going to have this very abusive mentality that's like, you're a piece of crap and you failed again and look at you now. But that isn't the relationship I have with myself. And when you have a loving relationship, it just invites so much more courage and risk-taking. I think it invites too a trust in life. Like when you trust yes. in yourself, then you can kind of lean back more on trusting that process of life. For me, I went through a kind of a a difficult period. Wow, it's been well over a year now, but it's still very like front and center in my mind where I was having a lot of anxiety and a pretty overwhelming anxiety. And one of the things that I realized, because I had to get really, really, really present in order to survive the inner turmoil because it, it was insane. But what I realized, and it was so powerful, was that every anxiety provoking thought and I started to become very present with what was stirring me up, came back to, you've done something wrong. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. you messed that up. You did something wrong. That was the mantra. And I had no idea that was going on in my head, like all the time. I know completely based on my history, where that came from, all that good stuff. But it, it's been a total game changer because now I can always come back to myself and you didn't do anything wrong. You're, you're being human. You're living life. It's okay. And that's just my story. I don't know if other people have, you know, if that's the flavor of their sense of not enoughness. But for me, when I started to be able to again and again, tell myself, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You didn't do anything wrong. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. It yeah. changed everything, but it also, it also changed just how I experience life, how I relate to life. Like I don't take it so seriously anymore. Yeah. Beautiful. And yeah, I'm with you. Everything you said, I mean, so much of it is about, I believe for myself, getting in relationship to my thoughts in a much more peaceful way. And part of that process for me has been as much as possible bearing witness, playing an observer, which gets talked a lot about in our circles. And it's been a critically important practice for me to remember that I truly, I'm the audience member and my thoughts, it's just the story on the screen. And the moment I become what I'm thinking, is the moment I create for myself more anxiety, more insecurity, more fear, more despair. But the moment I remember, wait a minute, this is just my mind doing what all human minds on the planet do, and it does not define who I am in any way. It's just a mind having thoughts. Yeah. I am no more my thoughts than I am my mind. And when we can get in, and this is, you know, we're, we're talking about concepts that are very simple to grasp, but not necessarily easy to internalize. So I'm not suggesting to anyone listening that it's, you just snap your fingers and suddenly you're just witnessing your thoughts and detached from everything <laughs> going on in your mind. And at the same time, 
it only happens when we give intention and energy to that possibility. You know, anything we practice at, we become more skilled at. And everything we're talking about is no different. This is, there's the potential to practice at all of these things we're discussing, including bearing witness to your thoughts without becoming them. And then it becomes more natural to do so. Yeah. You said so much in there. One thing that you said that I love is that reminder that you're not your thoughts. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times people don't remember that. They don't know that. They believe that that voice in their head is who they are. You know, they either believe what it says without even thinking about where it's coming from, or they start to think, why am I beating up on myself? I'm like, you're not. Right. My friend Chris Niebauer uses this example. He's like, you know, if you were your thoughts, then you could control them. You could just make them do what you want them to do, but they don't do what you want them to do all the time, right? So right. therefore you can't be your thoughts. Absolutely. I love that. That's great, actually. Yeah, it was really great. He was teaching at um, at Cactus Blossom not so long ago, and he, he brought that one up. And I was like, whoa, that's a game changer. That's an absolute game changer. Of course, that's true. Yeah. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Let's talk about understanding that we're not our thoughts, understanding that we necessarily can't control our thoughts, but we can work with them, right? Absolutely. We can work with them and we can choose, I think, but I want to hear what you have to say. I believe we can choose where we put our energy and attention. So some thoughts get really loud and they overtake us and it's like just the wave that hit you really hard and it knocked you over and, you know, you're just, you're going to have to tumble, you know, get to the shore and then you'll catch your breath and, and you're going to get up again and you're going to go back in the waves because I watch surfers do this all day long and they seem to love it. But a lot of times, you know, we don't get tumbled because, you know, we're very mindful, we're very present with our thoughts and we can kind of choose how to ride the wave and not get overtaken by it. And either way, I think, and I maybe the metaphor kind of lost me a little bit, but either way, I think, again, it's around being present, choosing where we put our energy, understanding that sometimes we're going to get swept away. But I think that the more that you do have this loving stance to yourself, to your thoughts without believing them too hard, the more that you start to become the surfer and not the one who gets tossed by the waves. Yeah, that was beautifully put. And I, I'm with you. I do believe that we have influence over the choices we make and we have influence over our thoughts. Not all the time for me. I mean, a lot of our thoughts are just playing out without any of our control. Yeah. But the moment we have awareness around how we're feeling and can connect that feeling to what we're thinking about, at least there's an opportunity to either reframe what it is we're thinking about, or if we're unable to do that and we're just mired in misery, if we can, think about any other thing. Yeah. <laughs> like if thinking about yourself is just having you feel like crap for hours on end, think about anything other than yourself if you can for a while and come back to the thoughts about yourself when maybe you have some different things to offer. And then like you said, sometimes for me, the mind is just, it's got its grips yeah. on my experience. And, and what I know in those moments is this too shall pass. And that in those moments, it's like, I feel like I have a lot of tools 
in my tool chest and nothing seems to be working sometimes. And I'm like, you know what, this is going to just pass. Yeah. This is what's happening right now. And even just that reminder that what's happening right now is not going to be what's happening forever. And you just got to ride it out. Yeah. And, and if you can remind yourself like that you're worthy enough, beautiful, even while you're going through this. Yeah. Abraham Hicks talks about it like momentum and your thoughts get momentum just exactly. like everything else. And I love that because, you know, they always give the example of, you know, the car at the top of the hill in San Francisco. And if yeah. you let it go a little bit, you can stop it. But at a certain point, you just got to let it roll down the hill and get out of the way. And it's okay. It's okay. Just sometimes Absolutely. our thoughts, our emotions, they've developed so much momentum that we're not going to stop them. And that's fine because, you know, this too shall pass. Absolutely. And the beautiful thing about momentum is it applies to positive thoughts. It applies to life affirming thinking as well. Amen. I sometimes will go on walks that I just, I call them gratitude walks and I'll spend 10, 15 minutes out in nature walking and just announcing what I appreciate about my life and what I appreciate about the world. And it generates so much momentum. I get myself so high on these walks just by giving myself over to appreciation. So that's that's the beautiful thing about these energies is they don't just apply to the harder aspects of life. They also apply to the more beautiful aspects of life. Yeah. And we can learn more and more to put our energy and focus there. And I love that. That's a really great practice, the gratitude walk. I invite listeners to try that one out because I think that is just delightful. Sure. That and the other one that you gave, you were teaching a class with our mutual friend, Lisa, Lisa McCourt. And I still use this. And you were talking about when you know what I'm going to say. I know. What and and say. you were sharing that when it gets really, really hard that your hack is to go and look at this YouTube video of this little sweet little puppy eating a green smoothie. <laughs> And friends. With that little, that big tongue lapping that smoothie over and over. And the green smoothie gets all over its little doggy lips. It is the most amazing thing. And since Scott called that out, I am now a fan of the green smoothie drinking dog. So some of you guys may find that too. Yeah. And it's true. And in those moments when you're feeling a little stirred up and you just turn your attention to a sweet little dog drinking a green smoothie, um, you know, it's really hard. It's really hard for the pain of life to withstand that cuteness. Yeah. And what's, I think what, what's so important about that also is just understanding that we can play with our energy and with energy in general, which is to say that even if you're in the depths of grief, you just lost someone in your life and most of your experiences around crying and grieving, that there's still room for laughter and joy. Like we, we do not have to be committed to just one way of being yeah. in our lives when we can interrupt that and, and play with it and, and add joy and laughter to even heavier moments should we choose to. Yeah, no, I think that's beautiful. And as someone who has had a lot of loss this year, I, I lost uh, both of my parents in this calendar year. So oh, I know goodness. it's been intense. Oh, that's a lot. Honey. Yeah. I didn't know that. But one thing that I can say is, and being a medium has helped with that for sure. You know, they, they're happy as clams. And when you see that, my father in particular crossed over very suddenly. And I've talked about it a little bit on the show. So it was it was a big surprise. But I also, with that relationship, was fortunate to be able to make kind of instant contact, which was so helpful for my grieving process because sure. he was so happy and so free and and so joyous. And it helped me through the grieving process for sure. 
but it also helped remind me, you know, that we leave all the sadness and gunkiness here. And it's not that, you know, there weren't waves of sorrow. Like it's always sad when, you know, someone that gave birth to you is crossed over and they won't be in your human space anymore. There's been a lot of levels of emotional processing for sure. And I can say it's been just a really potent and powerful reminder that, you know, the joy is what persists, the joy is what's important, and the joy is your birthright through all of it. There's been so many gifts of, especially my dad's passing. And, you know, some people would say, well, don't take the gifts because you should be sad. And, you know, the gifts are the beautiful, the gifts are the the gold, man. And our loved ones that are looking, you know, down on us, wherever you want to think about it, from the other side, you know, all they want us is to be happy. Absolutely. Because they know now, they know now that that is the only, you know, currency that counts. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Talk to me about your writing process, because you are such a master with words, and I could listen to you talk all day. But talk to me about your writing process. How does this amazing stuff come through you? I mean, my writing process these days, it's very sporadic. I'm not the type of writer who is like butt in the chair for however many hours every day, no matter what. I think that's very beneficial to writers who who do work that way. And if I have a deadline, maybe I'm more inclined to. Um, I just, these days, if I feel called to write, I'll sit down and write and I'll think about whatever's happening for me in my life or whatever I'm feeling tends to inform a lot of what gets written, you know? So that's really what my writing looks like right now is it's, I feel like writing. Okay. I'm going to sit down and write and see what comes through. And honestly, it's, it's interesting, Victoria, in the past couple of years, a lot of time when I sit down to write, what comes through is very heavy. It's not even, it's not even stuff I share. And I appreciate that because I think one of the great gifts of writing is it can function as this beautiful tool for releasing energy. It's just one way that we can clear energy out of our beings and move it. And the energy that I've been moving through my writing is it's just heavier. It's weightier. It's the parts of myself that struggle with this reality in a deep way and with being here and being a part of this and seeing the insanity and just being able to connect with it because I really do believe all human minds are the same. So I don't, it's not that I can't connect with it because I, I see the hypocrisies that are alive within me. I see the, the shaming tendencies that are alive within me. I see all the tendencies I'm seeing out there. What I struggle to connect with is just acting on those tendencies now. It's like like deciding to show up in a social media space and deciding consciously to choose to dehumanize other people or to shame them or to judge them in ways that are so wildly unconscious that it's this type of stuff that for me is really hard sometimes to reckon with because it's we're seeing it on such a large scale there's so much lack of consciousness and there's so much lack of love that's being just vomited out into the ethers day in and day out. And sometimes that takes me down, you know, it's just, I just am like, not only that I can't relate to, I just don't want to relate to any of this. It all feels gross. Yeah. Well, you you know, you don't have to. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, totally. I, I don't relate. But even when I think my social media channels have been curated in such a way that a new event in the world happens and I'm like, oh my God, look at this shit show. Like, it's just wild. And it hurts the heart a little bit. It hurts the heart a lot. When you see that people are still where they're at. What helps me with that is just remembering everyone. Everyone's here doing exactly what they're supposed to do. And you're yeah. here doing exactly what you're supposed to do. And you're leading the wave of love and light and joy and, and helping so many people connect with their own lovability, which is going to be yeah. the, the bomb that's going to soothe all of this. Right. But for some people, that bomb, unfortunately, because of where they're still at, it just feels like, you know, burning hot tar. And so you know, they're not going to be able to use it yet. Or if the, if you give it to them, they're going to throw it at somebody else in a non-loving way. But that's all right, because it doesn't mean that what you came here to do isn't valuable. Absolutely. And I, I thank you so much for saying that. And I appreciate you reminding everyone listening that everyone is here to do what they're here to do. Yeah. And I, what I come back to in myself is often just whether I see this world as flourishing or imploding it doesn't make a difference in terms of what I feel called to do. Yeah. Like I'm here to make noise for love. I'm here to make noise for self-love. I'm here to remind people they are worthy, they are enough, and that that worth is inherent. And like, no matter what's happening in the world outside of me, when I feel most aligned, that is my call. And so it's like, the reminder for me is always just continue to show up in alignment with why you feel you're you're here and what you feel like you you need to do and are called to do and trust in that. Yeah. And oftentimes I think we think we have to be motivated because this is the way our brains work and our world works. And, you know, it's just how we've been trained to solve a problem. Let me find the depth and the worst problem. And then I show up to solve the problem. And I love to think more in terms of, you know, being the solution, embodying the solution. You don't even have to worry about the problem at all. You just have to, you know, figure out how would I like to feel? How would I like to be? How would I like to show up? What would I like to share? And you don't have to worry about any, you know, problem. Those problems will take care of themselves. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that sometimes when we feel that we have to match the energy of the problem to, you know, get to the solution, we've kind of, you know, shot ourselves in the foot. Absolutely. And that's actually a gift of the wars that we see on social media is what I notice it doing inside of myself. Like sometimes, sure, I feel very heavy about it and it feels very dark. And also what it consistently is doing for me is centering me in the choices I'm making around how I'm showing up and what I'm willing to engage with. And it's continuously pushing me to be clear about my boundaries. Like I'm not interested in participating in any communities, in any tribes, in any conversations that aren't foundationally rooted in love, which doesn't mean that there can't also be anger there and confusion and, and rage, all of that, fine, that's human. But if you're not foundationally about supporting whatever you're going through with love and directing it in that way, I don't want to participate. I love that. And I'm getting clear and clear about that. And that feels really good, actually. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Okay, I could talk to you all day, but I can't. I hate that these things are time limited. <laughs> Is this already over? Oh my God, this felt like... 30 seconds to me. That's wild. It's not already over, but it's, it's getting close to that. I know. I just want to keep going and going and going. It's a good sign always, yeah. I think. But yeah, I know I could talk forever, but I mean, we've, we've covered so much, but one question that's sort of not going away is how do we learn that we're not enough? 
I mean, I know the answer to this, but I want to know what you think. I mean, it seems like to me the most self-evident thing. Every child is born knowing that they're beautiful, knowing that they're lovable, knowing that they're perfect in their, you know, imperfectness. I mean, in their spiritual perfection, they're just as they should be. Every child is born knowing that. And then somehow we forget, we forget. And I, I think that so many people out there, not enoughness is, I think everyone has a little bit of that, right? In their conditioning. Oh, for sure. I just think it gets conditioned out of us. That's yeah. for me, that's the answer to how do we learn it? We, we literally are conditioned to believe that there's a certain way to look, there's a certain way to love, there's a certain way to act, there's a certain way to be. And if you are not in the box of those conditioned ways, there's something wrong with you. And that messaging comes first and foremost from those who take care of us, even if they're the most loving parents or caretakers on the planet, we're still being conditioned. Right by them about what is right and what is wrong and and what they learned their condition not enoughness absolutely yeah it comes from governments from churches from pr companies from everywhere so for me this journey really isn't about fixing it's not even about learning anything new it's about remembering who we are at our essence remembering that we are born as these holy loving beautiful accepting beings and coming back in alignment with that understanding that we have within us which is what's so exciting about it it's it's not about searching for something that is outside of us like this depth of understanding and love and acceptance is so alive within us so for me it's about peeling away the layers unburying any conditioned aspects that keep us from just feeling into who we naturally are but it's there. It's available. It's available. It takes willingness. It takes commitment and it takes practice. And then you will find your way to deeper reservoirs of love. You will find your way into a relationship with yourself that is more loving, that is stronger if you're committed to it, if that's where your willingness lives. What do you say to the person who's listening to this? They listen to this whole episode and yet they're still saying all of this sounds great for, you know, Victoria and Scott, but I don't think I deserve it. I don't think I deserve my own love. What do you say to that person? I would say to that person, practice what we talked about earlier, which is to start observing your thoughts without believing them, because that is a thought that is not coming from the essence of who you are. It's not coming from your heart. It's not coming from your clarity. It's not coming from your inner wisdom and your inner knowing. It's coming from a conditioned reaction to something you experienced as a child that has lived on through you, and it is absolutely a lie. And we can, we can recognize the lies of our minds without going to war with our minds. Going to war with any aspect of who you are only creates more war. But trust that any thought that is trying to steer you away from self-love or the belief that you are lovable as you are is a lie of your mind. It's a lie of a conditioned, fearful, insecure mind. And it doesn't in any way reflect what is most true within you. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Can we do one thing before we end? Yes, we can. If you're open to it, because we talked about the book being a thing that you can open to. And I would love for you, if you're willing to pick a page number between two and 219 for the listeners, like tune in and let's give them something from, from the book. Okay. I love it. 111. 111. All right. Let's see. Oh, that's a great idea. Okay. 111. I love this one. Please don't mistake my commitment to being a kind and loving person as any sort of willingness to put up with bullshit. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for, for choosing that for all of us. I feel that one so deeply. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And that's huge. Oh my God. We could have a whole nother 45 minute conversation. I know just about, about that. that. Because sometimes people do think that, you know, being loving and kind is being a doormat, right? Absolutely. And no. Yeah. And if you dare share an opinion that is in conflict with anyone, I thought you were about love. I thought you were about this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's a strength for yourself too. Like one of the things that I found is my self-love grows. My tolerance for other people not demonstrating their love to me or disagreeing with me or having different opinions of me or maybe not liking me, that grows too. It still doesn't feel good even as I say it. I like people to yeah, like me. Sure. It's always my preference. I do too, honey. We all want people to like <laughs> right? us. But you start to have this cushion where you're like, yeah, well, some people are going to gel with me. Some people aren't, right? Like I trust in that that cushion that I have of, of the love and acceptance of myself that gives me space or gives other people space, right? To feel how they want to feel too and not make it about me. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautifully put. So I think that quote also speaks to that as well. Cool. Yay. All right. What else did we not get to that we need to get to before we, we wrap up? Um, I don't know. You know, for me, it's just really to everyone listening, just remembering that your worth is inherent. It's not predicated on accomplishment, on your looks, on how cute your kids are, on how successful you are. It is inherent. You were born worthy. You will die worthy. And when you can really come into harmony with that truth, it changes the entire way you move through the world. And when the way you move through the world changes, the response of the world to you changes in alignment. So yeah, you're enough as you are. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Oh my God, Scott, I'm so glad I got to do this. Me too. Thank you. You made my whole day um, and I'm sure listeners are going to feel the same way. Tell people how to find you, how to find the book, all the wonderful things that you do. Once again, we did not talk about breath work, which I think is something you're still doing a lot of. Yeah, I'm just relocated to Michigan and when I, I'm moving into a new place in a couple of weeks and I'll, I'll start weekly online breath work sessions again, which okay. I love to do. Yeah, if you've been hearing a lot about transformational breath work and are curious about it, try it. Whether it's with me or anyone, just try it. It's a game changer. Yay. And um, you can find me at scottstabile.com. You can find me on my Substack newsletter is a great way, scottstabile.substack.com. And then of course, Instagram and Facebook. And my dear friend, David Gandelman and I are going to be hosting a retreat in Bali in May that we're co-leading. Come, Victoria, come to Bali. I might come to Bali. Yeah, yeah I totally want to come. It's going to be fabulous. Amazing. Yeah, oh. we're going to have a week in Bali and it's going to be breathwork, meditation and using writing as a tool for self-reflection and growth. It's going to be beautiful. We just gave a retreat in Spain this past summer and it was unreal. Beautifulness. Can we get you to come to San Diego to Cactus Blossom sometime soon too? Yes. Let's talk about it for real. All right. I would love that. We would love that too. Okay. All right. And thank you guys all for tuning in. Oh my God. I'm just like... I know I'm buzzing now. I'm very high. I'm buzzing with love so much <laughs> that I can't find my words. I want to thank <laughs> listeners. I know I, I end every podcast saying this, but thank you all for tuning in because I wouldn't even know Scott if I didn't have a podcast. I wouldn't get to have these conversations. And I'm just grateful for you. I'm just grateful for all of you every single day for tuning in and letting me do what I love to do and, and be of service. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Check out Scott's stuff, like, subscribe, do all that stuff. But most importantly, have a beautiful and magical day and namaste. Namaste. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again, and namaste. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.